0: Hello and welcome back to College Football Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. You can find me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I am joined, as always, by Xavier Trish on the Twitter at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. And the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Nick, how was week 10 for you? Or I guess it was week 9. I always do this. Beginning of the show, I F it up every time. So... Week nine. How uh, was week yeah. nine for you? I just tried to forget that the whole week existed. So sure, sure.
1: Well, I can understand. I, I uh, week nine overall was was good. I mean, it was it was uh, an exciting week. We saw some crazy finishes. We saw another uh, big upset. Top five team going down as a three touchdown underdog, or excuse me, three touchdown favorite. And uh, yeah, overall uh, another enjoyable week of college football looking forward to to week 10 Um, it's a much shorter slate this week we can uh, concentrate on uh, fewer games but maybe pay a little bit more attention especially that 330 window when it seemed like everybody was playing last week it was kind of hard to keep up but uh, yeah excited for it looking forward to uh, another great week now Xavier you sent me a tweet
0: in the middle of the week asking me if I was uh, still good. I'm fine. We talked about a little off air. I've seen way worse losses in this loss to TCU. Like, I knew when you almost lose at home to Kansas, who you haven't let hold a lead in Austin since 1997, you know, there's there's a loss coming somewhere in there. So I thought maybe because TCU's offense had looked so bad up to this point, this would be a, all right, Texas can get back on track and they can play well, you know, against TCU. And, no, they made Max Duggan look like uh, Peyton Manning. So not a great weekend for me. I did love Oklahoma losing, though. That was great. What did you see in Week 9, Xavier?
2: Um, the Big 12 for me is on life support. I mean, you've got to think at this point. You they can call had, it. Week yeah. 9, call it. Yeah. I mean, they're done. They're done. Yeah. You know, and it's crazy. I disagree. <laughs> Three weeks ago, I was about I was about to come into the podcast talking about how I thought the Pac-12 was done. However, now they have two teams in the top ten. Um, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, if you're a fan of either team, you won't like me this week. But um, yeah, I think the Big Twelve is. I think the Big Twelve done. I think the Big Twelve has. You know, well, it was, this would be the first time that they don't represent. In the college football playoff
0: for the second. Um, no, I think it'd be the second time.
2: Okay. Because, yeah. uh, but the first time since I think the inaugural year.
0: Yeah, that was Florida State was in, and they, didn't they get crushed by Bama? I just remember Jameis crush. Winston getting beat up in that. That, game. Was, against no, they,
2: Oregon. that was against Oregon. Oregon, okay. Mm-hmm. That's right, in the Rose that's Bowl. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Ohio State
1: and yeah. Alabama were the other two that year. Yeah, and yeah, Ohio
0: State and Oregon was it. yeah, because I just remember Zeke running all over Oregon in yeah. the, the title game. So. Uh, so, Nick, are you going to defend Baylor?
1: Is that where you're going here? I, well, I I could defend Baylor. Uh, I could also defend Oklahoma a little no, bit. No, I know no. I know you and I have talked about it before. You're uh, very much in the camp of you know even if they had gone undefeated, they would have questions uh, because of the strength of their schedule. Did they you know play a tough enough schedule? Um, but the the more I thought about it. And the more I've looked into it, I I think there are a few different scenarios that Oklahoma could still get in. And and part of that is Baylor. Uh, Baylor would have to lose to Oklahoma and only Oklahoma uh, in both the regular season. What two planes
0: have to collide
1: against each other in that air. And, and, uh, you know, and Oklahoma would just have to continue to put up just dominant performance after dominant performance, and they would need to get some help, obviously. I mean, we know um, that at least Alabama or LSU is going to lose. We know at least Penn State or Ohio State is going to lose. Uh, But then they're probably going to need the winners of those games to drop a game, and, and, you know, they would have to uh, just completely – blow uh blow teams out and and it's uh i think that that is still possible i mean oklahoma has been uh pretty incredible offensively i mean far and away the number one offense in the country obviously the old oklahoma defense showed up this past week and that was the you know the the killer uh but um i think that there's still a chance it's still early enough That enough things, you know, enough chaos could happen uh, for them to be able to sneak back into the playoff picture. But, uh, you know, obviously losing to uh, an unranked team is never good uh when you're when you've got playoff hopes and and their schedule is a concern you break up a great point about that but um i think it's just a little bit too early to count them out but yes i i am uh i have been very impressed with baylor this year i don't think that they will beat oklahoma twice um which is probably what they would have to do to get in uh but uh they you know it's they're a tough team they they could cause some problems for sure
0: I mean, they got to play Baylor. So if they can beat Baylor, I guess that would be a nice boost. Especially if Baylor keeps winning up to that point. I just give um, give g- g- me the odds. What are the odds that you would give them to make the the tournament here?
1: To to make, uh, I mean, I think it's probably. I mean, it, it's definitely low. I, you know, I haven't looked ten to one. Up- uh, I think tackle, probably tackle, I think it I think it's guy. probably better than that. I think it's probably Eight, four to one. Four to one. I say four to one. Twenty five percent. If if they win out, and they'll be a favorite in every game moving forward. So they you know they should win. Doesn't mean they will win. But if they were to finish uh, twelve and one, and uh, there are not you know uh, you know uh, assuming uh, neither Utah or Oregon. Gets their perfect scenario, and assuming you know somebody loses unexpectedly along the way, uh, one of the one of the heavyweights, the Alabamas or the uh, the Ohio States, you know, which which could happen, obviously. Um, then I I think that uh, they've got about a twenty five percent chance of making it in. I th- I think that's a reasonable uh, set of reasonable odds there.
2: I think the numbers gave them a three percent chance after losing to make it um espn ran some type of numbers after the game uh during the game and they gave them what went from i think they yeah i think it either went to three percent or i heard another statistic that said 17 percent. but regardless i think it's sub 20 um i think just too much has to happen in front of them they fall all the way to 10 you're hoping that oregon and utah both pick up one or two one or two losses down the stretch you're hoping that alabama and lsu uh I think honestly, in Alabama, the LSU loss—you know—if they are twelve and one, they get in over Oklahoma because LSU it's is better far loss. better than yeah. It's, it's a it's a quality loss, um. You know, especially if they don't play that game with a healthy Tua, then they have an excuse as well. Um. So you know, and then you're hoping that uh, a Georgia or a Florida doesn't run the table either. And they make a case and they beat an an undefeated LSU team in the SEC championship game, which then LSU has a quality loss on its schedule. So I think just too much has to happen. Oklahoma would be playing. The best team that they play going forward is Baylor. uh, But then you can almost surmise if they beat Baylor, then Baylor probably falls into the top 20. And then they probably beat them again. But at that point, it takes the lust off of it because it's a team that they've already played. uh, and yeah, I just don't think that they have an, they'll have enough quality opponents coming up to, to, to make a, a good enough case unless all mayhem happens in front of them. So, uh,
1: according to ESPN's playoff predictor, mm-hmm. uh, Oklahoma has a ten percent chance. So, okay, cool. Uh, that that is much more in line with with your thinking, Xavier. But okay. uh, yeah, you know, I, I that seems a little low to me. But you know, I that's just uh, just off the top of my head, and and right, certainly. Right. You know I could be overestimating them but um, I was incredibly impressed with Oklahoma through the first eight weeks of the season but uh, you know they uh, have the a uh, the de- exactly the, the defense just had a had a rough day and, and Kansas State showed that uh, Oklahoma can get uh, you know you can run the football uh, against them and and you know if you're physical at the line of scrimmage it can certainly give them some problems and it did.
0: So let's take a look at the games that we picked to go over last week, and we'll start in the Pac-12 where we had Utah versus Cal, and Utah wound up stomping Cal 35-zip in this game. Nick, our uh, projections had a 27-7, but it was a butt kick in either way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and we, you know, the the numbers gave Cal just, I guess, a little, a tiny bit of credit on offense. We had them scoring a touchdown, but uh, they didn't even come close. I mean, this was a completely dominant performance by Utah. Um, Cal averaged 2.7 yards per pass, 1.1 yards per carry, had 83 total yards in the game. I mean, Utah was just clearly... Uh, The better team from the opening kick and and Cal, you know, they were starting a third string quarterback and weren't even Particularly very good on offense to begin with. So uh, Tyler Huntley uh, Did not look 100% for Utah the the quarterback there, but he was able to play Uh, Zach Moss looked much closer to 100% he had a great game uh, overall very, very impressive performance by Utah, and, and uh, you know, if, if they continue to play like this the rest of the way, they'll be able to get back in that playoff conversation.
0: How do you like Zach Moss for you this week, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. He, he helped. He helped. <laughs> yeah, that was the Zach Moss show. I mean, they leaned on him to win this game, and, I mean, he he carried them where they need to carry him. Um, I'm looking, and we'll talk about it later, but I, I want to see, because, Nick, you're right, Huntley didn't look 100% um And I know playing on an injury like that, you know, you kind of don't get back to 100% by playing on it. And so I want to see what he does this week. I mean, I know we'll get to it, but I think that that injury, that nagging injury is going to come up huge in the coming weeks or for this week.
0: Uh, The next game that we had here was Notre Dame and Michigan, Xavier. Yes. um, (laughs) Michigan beat the crap out of Notre
2: Dame. The frauds are gone.
0: (laughs) 45 (laughs) 14. Uh, I didn't know who to root against in this game. I don't like either one of these. Well, I don't mind <laughs> anything with Michigan outside of Harbaugh, but I really don't That's like Harbaugh. But uh 45-14. I mean, we had it this a little closer, but uh not surprising in just the craziness of these teams and how much talent they have. To see it go either way, just kind of surprising because Notre Dame was the favorite pretty much the whole week.
2: Yeah. I mean, this game for me, like I said, I thought Notre Dame had a point to prove to the rest of the country. And I think if they would have won this game, they had a really, really good case for making the playoff this year. Um, you look at the rest of their schedule and this was it. This was the last big test. I mean, they they do stuff to go play Duke and, you know, Navy's never an easy game and they have to go to Stanford to end the year. But this was the last ranked team that they had. And I, I thought they had gotten through the tough part of their schedule rather beautifully. You know, they they picked up a a loss to Georgia, but it was rather close, so the committee couldn't re- really say anything to that. Um, they they beat a Virginia team that was ranked at the time. They they escaped a UFC team that's been up and down all year, but has looked good at times and has also been ranked um, at times this season. And you know, I was like, okay, all right, we'll see. Um, I didn't trust Ian Book coming into this game, and he proved me completely right. Uh, going eight of twenty-five for seventy-three yards and a touchdown. Bad. He was oh. not good. And I don't know the elements was a big key in this game. It was a monsoon in there, but down there. But, I mean, jeez, Michigan, I don't know. I, they obviously had a point to prove after last week's loss. I mean, I think that they really showed themselves as, you know, especially now with Wisconsin having two losses, if I'm not mistaken, are they a candidate to go? They're not a candidate to go to the Big, 12, big Ten championship game at this point. Yeah, because they're in the same conference as Ohio State, or same division. But, I mean, this was a, a must win for Harbaugh. At this point, if they'd have lost, they would be 5-3 with Ohio State still on the schedule. I mean, a four-loss season for Harbaugh would have not been good for the boosters or the fan base. Does this say so, I mean, It does. I think I think it absolutely does. I think that, you know, 9-3 and three is still nine wins and a 10-win season is still possible. I think that always looks good on a coach's resume. Double digits is always where you want to end up at the end of the season. Um, you beat a a rival you know you smacked them and you did it at home in front of the boosters in front of the fan base i think that always helps so i think it does save him for another year um it gives them a little bit more of a you know the leash isn't as tight anymore you can loosen up the dog collar a little bit so
0: nick what did you see in this game
2: uh, i was
1: really impressed with michigan and and uh defensively you know they put up another Really solid performance made Ian Book look very uncomfortable. Uh, Notre Dame was not able to run the football uh, really at all, uh, and, and uh, Michigan did have its best uh, rushing performance on offense. So uh, really, really impressive overall. They sort of imposed their will, uh, which I think a lot of people had uh, been expecting for a while now. And and so if you're a Michigan fan, it was definitely good to see that. Uh, obviously. Uh, my numbers had Notre Dame as a, a favorite in this game. So was a little bit disappointed to, to see the outcome, but you know, can't argue with the results. Michigan was clearly the better team and, and it was an impressive win.
0: Yeah, it was, it was impressive. Do you think this, this saves Harbaugh?
1: I don't, I don't really think Harbaugh is ever in trouble. I, I, uh, think that, I mean, I, you know, I, uh, from the outside looking in, I, I, don't necessarily know anything, but um, I just I get the feeling he can sort of be there as long as he wants to be, as long as things, uh, you know, as long as there's not some sort of off the field uh, major scandal or, or anything like that. It just seems to me, uh, uh, who are they going to get that's that's better? I mean, he, you know, three years ago, four years ago, whenever it was that he showed up. Um, He was the perfect fit and and to be honest it there doesn't seem to be a better fit to me so I I think that um, You know, if I were Michigan, I'd wait and see it play out and and uh, yeah Yeah, I I think you underestimate
0: a little bit how much beating Ohio State means
1: I understand. No, I, I I get it and I know that the that that drives the fan base absolutely crazy um but uh, on the other hand, I, I just, you know, I, I, I'm I'm no expert on on this sort of thing, so right. uh, it's just a, you know, just just a thought. But but it, to me, uh, I would, I I think that he's yeah, I think he's absolutely safe. Um, and I I don't I don't really think his seat was all that warm. Yeah, you know, oh, this time last week either. I,
2: I think one thing we have to think about is what year is Harbaugh in? Is it what year? F- is it 5 or 6?
0: I th- I think yeah, I can't remember which one it is either, but I know that I don't think he's beat Ohio State once. I he has not, but that's so, the thing
2: for me. So when I look at him, it's, you know, he is, it's the Rick effect. Rick got fired from Georgia because he couldn't beat Florida. I think that at some point or another he's going to have to get over that hump, and if he doesn't do it, regardless of, you know, them going 10 and 3 every year and then getting to the double digits. I mean, I don't know how many times Rick got us to a bowl game you know, and, and finish with nine or 10 wins. But if you can't beat your rival, and if that's the one thing stopping you seemingly every year from winning the Big Ten as well, then you're, he's going to be gone at some point. I mean, he's going to have to figure that out.
0: Yeah. This uh, is his uh,
1: fifth year.
2: Yeah. Fifth year. Fifth okay, cool. year.
0: So I mean, yeah, just—I so think
2: it's a little bit too early.
0: Look, I, I mean, if I if they beat Ohio State this year, which I don't think is happening, but if they did, I think that gives him like five more years because not only do you finally get that monkey off your back, you also most likely eliminate Ohio State from the national title contention and you put a big spotlight on yourself. So I'll say that. I don't think he should be fired right now, and I don't necessarily know if I even think he should be fired if they lose to Ohio State again because the cards are just stacked against him. I think it's fairly obvious they're going to lose to Ohio State. But I know that you know fan bases are irrational, and uh, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. make the people in charge irrational. So, uh, I, I think it's a trickle down effect. And if you can't beat your most hated rival, you know, five, six seasons in a row, it's going to start to take effect, especially when that's known as one of the biggest rivalries in sports. I think the only one generally recognized as worse than that is Yankees Red Sox. So, yeah. Alabama Auburn. Alabama Auburn, nah. it, but it's not, I don't think in the lore of college football, it's close to. It, it hasn't had the same It's, it's, it's meant more. Recently, because both those teams have been on the national spotlight. But I think historically, Michigan versus Ohio State is the big, big rivalry. And, you know, that one, Auburn, Alabama has always been huge. You know, Texas and Texas A&M was huge until they quit playing. So uh, I just uh, I think that he's probably a little bit more on the hot seat. But I think people expecting him to get canned after this year. Uh, are in for a rude awakening, because I don't think he is either. But I think it's at least going to be talked about and considered. But let's go over to Michigan State at Penn State. And, uh, I mean, Penn State just keeping this rolling. I kind of thought that they were frauds. I know that uh, Xavier and I picked against them a couple weeks ago. Uh, That's right. I'm not just lumping you in with me, right,
2: Xavier? (laughs) No, not at all. I I think Penn State's still fraud, but continue. Okay.
0: (laughs) But they beat Michigan State twenty eight seven on the road, and they're now the number five seed team. Uh, we saw this one playing out, um, you know, kind of like it did twenty uh, to fourteen. We had it closer, but Penn State winning. Nick, what do you see in this one?
1: Yeah, I mean, this was another one. It was a pretty. To me, pretty impressive performance. Penn State jumped out to a big lead again. They were up 21-0 at halftime this time. Uh, played out in a similar fashion to the Michigan game the previous week, but uh, the Nittany Lions were able to really just sort of, you know, keep the lid on uh, the entire game. Michigan State, uh, again, just not really much of a threat offensively. Average 2.7 yards a carry, 83 rushing yards uh, overall. Um the uh, Michigan State quarterbacks through two interceptions, averaged uh, just over four yards an attempt. Um, so Penn State's defense again, you know, showed up. Obviously, would would like to see a little bit more from the Nittany Lions offensively. At this point, it's it's kind of hard to see them being efficient enough on offense to really compete with somebody like Ohio state, who's just clicking on all cylinders, you know, at all times. So, um, that's really my only concern, but, uh, the defense, you know, is for real. And, and this was, uh, another solid performance. Can't really argue. I mean, they, they won by three touchdowns on the road against a division rival. Pretty impressive.
0: Now Xavier, when you say you still think they're frauds, uh, where should they be ranked? I mean, you know, they're 8-0, so I think they yeah. ha- kind of have to be ranked at 5 right now. But I think I think you're right as <laughs> far as there's a clear tier of LSU, Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, right? Yeah. And then I, I, everybody I, else after that.
2: Yeah, that's where it really it comes from is when, when I think that people will look at that 5 ranking and maybe have them higher. Um, like. In their in their echelons of their heads, I don't have them that high. For me, if the rest of the if the rest of college football was undefeated, they'd be sitting at ten. I just think that you know, that, like I said, like you said, they've gotten the job done. They're the only uh, they're you know uh, undefeated as well. They're eight and zero. You can't take that away from them. Um, I just there, there's something about this ball club that that says if they somehow make it into the playoff, they're going to end up like that Michigan State team with Connor Cook. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be a, a, a you know a beatdown and um you know the, the sooner that they get found out the better it is for fans who like to watch college football as a neutral uh i just don't see i just see glaring holes when you know in, in this team as far as they still haven't played an entire half of an entire game of football um you know as nick said they jumped out to a 21-0 lead second half was 7-7 um they did the same thing against michigan when you only play one half of football you're you're, you're you know Brazen for a bruising at some point, Um, you know, and, you know, and I'm just kind of waiting for it to happen. Maybe it happens in two weeks where they go to the 13th ranked Golden Gophers. Yeah, you heard it here first. Uh, But um, I mean, this team for me just just I just see, you know, an issue right now. But hey, they continue to keep me quiet and keep me uh, at bay. Uh, But as soon as they lose, oh, best believe I'll be on this podcast ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I won't. No, I I
1: will say, I will point out that Penn State actually only ranks 11th in our team strength rating. So if we were to put, um, you know, every team in college football against one another on a neutral field, there are 10 teams that we would uh, project as a favorite ahead of Penn State. Uh, But on the other hand, they rank sixth in team performance. So, uh, every week when we give a game grade, uh, based on certain statistical factors, average all those up for the entire season, they played like the sixth best team in the country, but from a roster and a coaching standpoint, talent standpoint, uh, we only have them as the 11th strongest team at this point. So, uh, it's, it's a team that could go, you know, either way, they, they are a fringe top 10 team overall. And the gap I think we've seen this year in college football has, has you know, closed quite significantly between one and two and, you know, that that next group of 10 or so. So uh, I think they could compete with somebody like Ohio State uh, on, a, a you know, any given Saturday type thing. It's just, I, I, you know, probably the road is too tough for them to be able to survive all the way through. I, I would not, you know, Penn State could upset Ohio State, but I don't see them uh you know doing much more than that they might get one big win maybe make some noise you know on a a huge national level uh type situation but then i don't think that they've got just the full capability to to really make a a playoff run
0: now this ohio state wisconsin game i hesitate to even bring it up because it was so boring uh (laughs) 38 to 7 ohio state beats wisconsin we had it uh, 37-20, we gave Wisconsin a little bit more credit than they probably deserved. Jonathan Taylor was shut down in this one, Nick. I mean, it was an ugly game, wasn't it?
1: Well, I think part of the problem, maybe we underestimated Ohio State a little bit because uh, we put a maximum of a 100 rating on our individual player ratings, and Chase Young's probably worth more than that. I mean, he's yeah. uh, probably worth incredible. <laughs> i mean uh, you know uh, the the stats were flashed uh, you know across the screen all all week uh, since they happened but the you know the four sacks in the game that that's huge and he's obviously leading the nation in sacks he's uh, I, I think probably the best player in college football um the most disruptive defensive player in the game right now uh and and somebody uh really made it you know more of a pointed uh point that not only did Chase Young have four sacks in a game, but he had that against Wisconsin's offensive line. And, you know, a team that really wants to run the football. They only had 17 pass attempts. I mean, obviously, you know, add sacks to that, it was probably something like, you know, 23, 24, something like that, but uh, pass plays. But uh, the fact is, you know, the just percentage of plays that Chase Young was disruptive in this game was incredible and, and he's done it all year. Uh, very, very impressed with him overall you know impressed with Ohio State. I mentioned team performance for Penn State uh, ranking six. Well Ohio State is, is number one in in that metric and so they have played uh, legitimately like the number one team in the country and, and they did it uh, here on Saturday. Probably could have been even more impressive offensively. Didn't need to be. They just shut down Jonathan Taylor, shut down the Wisconsin offense, and and cruised to to thirty eight to seven victory.
0: Now, did you watch any of this game, Xavier? Please tell me this was when you were working because it sucked.
2: It was. <laughs> I, I got. I got a bit of it. I did get to catch a little bit of it. And honestly, I, I'm not gonna lie. I got to catch like the first quarter, and I was like, wow this weather is really putting a damper on this entire ball game because neither team's receivers wanted to catch a football. I was like, wow, it's like none of you kids played in rain in high school. Um, and I remember driving to school, which was about 45 minutes. I get to school and they're up by 20. I was like, what happened? What has taken place? I was, I was I, You know, honestly, it takes a little bit of the, the shock value out of it, maybe because Wisconsin lost to Illinois, but I don't know. Wisconsin just didn't come to play you know, Jonathan Taylor had 52 yards of rushing. The offense couldn't get started whatsoever. And then it seemed like after the receivers stopped being scared to touch a wet football, Justin Fields just went to work. And then J.K. Dobbins starts to go to work because he's getting holes. And it was just like the the floodgates opened and it wasn't because of the rain. It was ridiculous. I was, Ohio State to me right now has to look like the most complete team in college football, especially with Bama and having two at the moment um, and LSU's defense literally being, you know, feasible by anybody. But um, Ohio State looks really good. And as a person who grew up not liking Ohio State, it hurts me to say that, but they look really good right now. And I don't see them dropping a game going forward. Um,
0: Who's yeah. more likely to win the Heisman, Xavier? Chase Young or J.K. Dobbins?
2: Neither, but um, <laughs> but you have to
0: pick one Ohio State oh,
2: representative. Uh Dobbins because there's no way they're gonna pick a defensive end to win the Heisman. They'll give it to the running back before they give it to him mm. I- I- any day of the week. You're um, Nick.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I I I respect it, but uh I've heard uh I've heard quite a few rumblings. I'm not the only one that's that's uh uh picking up the torch for, for Chase Young. I think he Maybe. should be considered a, a Heisman uh contender. I, I think don't... he's got uh, Just as good a case as, you know, somebody like Ndamukong Sue a few years ago. He's having that disruptive of a season. Uh, I agree. It's, it's, it's been great.
0: Do you think that J.K. Dobbins and Chase Young being on the same team as Justin Fields actually hurts his Heisman chances?
2: Yes. I do, too. <laughs> Absolutely. I do, Which too. is why next year he's my favorite to win the Heisman because they'll both be gone. Yeah, um, that's true. But— I think for Chase Young to win the Heisman, he has to do some JJ Watt stuff. Like he did, I think it was the 2014-15 season where JJ Watt had five touchdown catches. You know, he they, they've got to mix it up, you know, maybe put him in the backfield like they did Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins at Clemson. You know, get him some get him some opportunities to score some points. Um, you know, really ramp it up toward down the stretch. I mean, they've got Rutgers in two weeks. Or three weeks, you know, maybe allow him to go back there and quarterback and throw a couple of touchdowns, you know, something something to give him, you know, that that both sides of the ball appeal like Charles Woodson. Uh, the
0: last game from last week, LSU 2320 over Auburn here. We had it at 3534. So it played a little bit closer. Uh, Nick, were you sweating my projection at all that I had no advanced stats and or regular stats to back <laughs> up, but I just had a gut feeling that Auburn was going to pull this one off and they did not. Uh, they lost by three, but
1: they made it close. Well, I mean, I, I, overall, I was pretty impressed, uh, with, uh, Auburn did a, did a decent job keeping LSU in check. And I think everybody um you know expected at some point lsu was was going to have a game where they weren't uh just fully unstoppable and and they they had you know they they put up great uh numbers overall i mean joe burrow still threw for over 300 yards they ran uh for almost 200 so it's it's not like they were bad but uh lsu didn't capitalize on a few scoring opportunities. They had uh, an interception cut a drive short. They uh, turned the ball over on downs on uh, the two-yard line uh, one time. So this could have been a more impressive uh, final score just based on how the, the stats shook out. But Auburn did a good job of, of uh, limiting LSU's opportunities, and, and I don't think that was completely unexpected. I mean, this is one of the bo- uh, best defensive lines in the country, uh, but then to that point, I was probably I came away most impressed uh, with Clyde edwards hilaire I mean, he he had a really good game. The LSU offensive line gave him some room to work. Uh, put up over 130 rushing yards. Um, also was uh, uh, big in the in the passing game as well. Caught seven passes. So uh, pretty impressed with his performance. And and LSU, I think uh, it was you know it was the the kind of game. Uh, any win is a good win, and uh, this is a top ten team. You know, Auburn came in ninth uh, last week, so a a any win over a top ten team is great. Survive, advance, and now you've got two weeks to prepare for Alabama, and and it's looking like it's going to be a one versus two matchup, game of the century of the week type situation.
0: Game of the century of the week. Uh, <laughs> what about uh, what about you, Xavier?
2: How do you see this game playing out? You know, honestly, I'm 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 going go a little tangent about Gus Malzahn. I can't I don't I don't get it. You have a freshman quarterback and you're taking him into Death Valley. The why would you make him throw a 35 times? Did you not learn from the Florida game where you had him throw 45 times? Like I get it. You have to throw the football sometimes, but you ran for almost 160 yards. Of, you ran for 160 plus yards. Keep it on the ground. I, I you know, Auburn had an opportunity. To really make, you know, to make this closer than it was. I know the final score says 23-20, but it really scored a garbage touchdown. It was really more 23-13. If Gus had called a better game for his quarterback, Auburn had this game. Their defense was playing fabulous in the first quarter. You know, and Auburn didn't take advantage of it, only putting up three points. And, you know, I know that they held one of the higher flying offenses to, you know, 23 points. And you got to look at that as a win to an extent. But they had an opportunity here to really win this ballgame. And I, I dislike the way that Gus called this game. I think that he once again made his freshman quarterback go out there and do too much. And, you know, they suffered from it. Um, you know, he only completed 15 out of the 35 attempts that they had and only for 157 yards. I think when you do that and, and you don't stay ahead of the sticks by making him throw on first and goal and, you know, first in, in, inside the 30 as well, you're, you're really making it hard for your team to come away with the victory, especially on the road against this team.
0: Yeah, it was it was a tough game. So um, we'll see. I you know I think LSU is LSU's poised. I and I think LSU beats Alabama, and that wraps up our Heisman race, right? Unless Joe Burrow looks terrible and they do it all on defense, I think that wraps up our
2: Heisman race, and Joe Burrow's just won it. So yeah, as long as he doesn't throw like three picks, I think yeah. he's got it all like wrapped up. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I mean,
1: even if he did and and they won, it, it's probably still his. <laughs> Award, you know, yeah, as long I mean, as he, he matches for 350 touchdowns, yards,
0: touchdowns, a couple of turnovers. touchdowns
1: and three picks, right? Yeah, and and they yeah. somehow win uh, with that. I, you know, it's it's hard for me to believe they'd be able to win a game against Alabama if he threw three picks. But um, if if it were to work out that way, I think absolutely he's probably. Uh, pretty much got it in the bag unless he also got hurt and, and misses some time. And, and hopefully, of course, uh, everybody stays healthy. But um, I, I think absolutely at this point with Tua already having missed a game and and, and we don't know how much or how effective he'll be uh, playing you know, against LSU in a couple of weeks, I, I yeah. think it right now is Burroughs to lose uh, by a pretty wide margin.
2: He did practice today um so i think alabama fans can rejoice about that so uh it looks like two will be quote unquote ready for that ball game i don't know how ready he'll be but he's definitely playing let's put it that way
0: yeah um what about the rest of the week the rest of the games nick how did we look
2: uh overall it was decent it
1: was a winning week uh and you know, all 50 something games, whatever it was, finished uh, almost 53% against the spread, which that's uh, our goal 53% for all games. Uh, we've been short of that this this year, but it was nice to get close uh, this week, despite the fact that the games we talked about on the pod last week, we were one and four, unfortunately, but uh, the rest of the games, you know did decently well and then uh i've mentioned it a few times in weeks past that when we actually have uh, our favorite disagrees with the vegas favorite uh those have been just on a pretty incredible run and last week uh we were five and one against the spread in those games four with four outright upsets so uh pretty pretty good uh that's at 59 percent for those games through the the entire season uh so far and we've got four that fit that criteria um this uh this week. So hopefully that that run will continue. And, and over the last uh five weeks, it's it's been incredible. We're, we're uh hitting almost 70%, 69%, 20 and 9 uh over the last five weeks. So hopefully, you know, that that's a, a sign of good things to come you for can't quit uh, yet. Those four games and and one of which we'll talk about in a little bit.
0: Can't quit yet. And by the way, guys we didn't even talk about the biggest news of the week yet, because it's well, it's kind of getting tempered at this point. But it seems like the NCAA is going to restrict their rules on uh, players being yes. able to use their own likeness, which could lead us to the NCAA football <sighs> game at some point here. And I know we're all excited about that. Um, Nick, what do you
1: think? Uh, Yeah, if it if it comes back, that would be great. Uh, My wife probably wouldn't be very happy about it, but uh, I uh, yeah, it it would be it would be nice. I I haven't played in quite some time. I pulled out the NCAA fourteen and the old PS three several months ago, and it doesn't really work anymore so (laughs) so i haven't haven't played in in quite some time so yeah it 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 doesn't work because you're
0: an old man and you have old man thumbs now or it doesn't work yeah like (laughs) everything's broken like i'm just it
1: it doesn't work because i guess it's just been uh it's been sitting in storage for for a while ah, so, so it's, it's a bit it's, dusty I, it it kind of freezes up a little bit uh, I, I do see. i do play a little fifa and and believe it or not i do play a tiny bit of uh of madden so i i've wow. uh at least vaguely familiar with uh professional football <laughs> somewhat but if you're uh, only um, familiar
0: because of madden like millions of much, other people
1: so pretty much so uh, that's but, funny. Uh, yeah. No, it would be great if it comes back. I, I hope it does.
0: You don't sound nearly as excited as I thought you were going to be, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, Xavier, I mean, uh, were you even, were you even around for the last time this game was going? I mean,
2: <laughs> was I around? I mean, <laughs> ah, this was my childhood. <laughs> um, this game, the, the, the idea that this game could come back would, I mean, it would make my year. Um, honestly, you know, we've had to stick with the mediocrity that is Madden for the last, you know, six years. Or, or, or so of you know being our only football game, and and to think that you know, Road to Glory and, and the beautiful that is Online Dynasty could all come back all in one year, um you know I don't think I I'm I'll be glad I'm out of school because I wouldn't be going to class, um <laughs> it, you know it wouldn't be you know I would be done for I'd be in my room in the dark playing that game until you know somebody finally dragged me out so, uh but I'm ecstatic I've been beating the drum for you know, athletes to be able to, to profit off their likeness for, you know, since I was in high school. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's ridiculous. So,
2: and uh, that happening would be just so ecstatic.
0: Yeah. I I mean, to be honest, uh, I'm I'm glad that it's happening, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of with Nick where uh, I'm excited about it. I'm probably not as excited as I should be though, because I just don't know when I'm going to be able to play it because I actually had a listener send me a PS4. So I have one, and I have MLB The Show. I got that from another listener for my birthday. I played it like five times. So it's just <laughs> difficult for me to find time to play video games. And I'm a person that made a
1: lot of time to
0: play video games yeah. uh, back in the day. So um,
1: I was thinking about it. Uh, if this game came out, uh, you know, I, I, I have a, a tiny bit of time on like, Thursday and Friday afternoons. When most <laughs> he's already of trying other- to schedule it. Stuff. Yeah, he's already trying to schedule <laughs> it. That you know that that is when occasionally I will I will fire up FIFA and play. But you're going to spend uh, more time
0: bitching about the ratings uh, than you
1: are uh, playing the game. I probably wouldn't really get to play it until like january right, uh, right. And, you know, when when the season's over and done with then i'd wow. i'd start to pick up more because then i've got a little more free time right now my my I mean, week you is don't sort have
2: of to eat just you know what I'm saying? Just pick, up the, just pick up the controller that's
0: right what's food yeah postmates come on let's right. uh, let's get uh we need that sponsorship money too come on postmates oh, yeah <laughs> so but uh let's uh let's head into this week's games and it's way less exciting nick i mean uh, I didn't know it was this many. You had 33 FPS teams on a buy, which I How much higher than the normal is 33 teams? Because it seemed to me when I was laying it out, it didn't seem like more teams were on buys. It seemed like more good teams were on buys.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I, this is there are three big bye weeks it seems week 8 was a huge bye week there were about 30 teams next week there's about 30 teams that are off maybe a little less but um that that seems for whatever reason that that a, a selection of three Saturdays were kind of the ones that um seemed like they would be good to, to have a bye week so uh we got big chunks of them it, it's Probably, if I were to guess, I haven't run the numbers. It's probably three times as many teams as normally are are off on a uh, on a huh. Saturday. So uh, games are much more spaced out. And and actually, the the first game we're going to talk about, uh, I put on the list because there's only two ranked teams in action during that first window on on Saturday. And so, figured that that might have an opportunity to to catch a an ACC game, you know, the, the powerful ACC, uh, <laughs> really been clicking on all cylinders this year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit strange to go from a, a Saturday that was just jam packed with, uh, a lot of games early in the day and, and some really great matchups to this week. Uh, you kind of have to search a little, little farther for, for some great games cause there just aren't that many.
0: And the first game we're going to kick off with here. Nick is wake forest hosting North Carolina state. And the line on this one is a uh, wake forest by seven and a half, 60 and a half is the over, but uh, we've got some injuries in this game. And then we also have the, whatever the quarterback battle is here at wake forest. Now I thought Jamie Newman was pretty good six and one, but Hartman's getting involved now. So mm-hmm. how do you see that playing out and how do you see this game going?
1: Well, first of all, I think, the the last thing I heard was that Jamie Newman, if he's healthy, he's he's going to be the guy. Okay. Uh, he had a shoulder injury and and he was out. Uh, you know, the second half of of the previous game uh, in week seven, he was out in week eight. Uh, they were off last week, so if you know, I think he's going to be good to go. Everything I've I've heard points toward uh, he'll be the guy. But you know, Sam Hartman uh, was the starter for most of. Uh, last season and until he got hurt, and he has performed pretty well in a reserve role so far this year. So for, for Wake Forest, you know, uh, you're sitting pretty pretty well when you've got two guys that you can rely on and jamie newman I, I, has just been uh incredible most of the you know when he's healthy he's he's been one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the country uh so it, it you feel good if you're wake forest on the other hand nc state is getting ready to start its third quarterback of the season and and to my knowledge none of them have been injury related it's just they haven't been able to find a guy that they're comfortable with uh they're no right they that's for Sure. no no and and mckay was the matthew mckay was the starter at the beginning of the season and uh he ended up getting benched and and you know i i, I will be honest i didn't watch very much nc state early in the year and and i didn't uh see really what you know <laughs> I, I, to me, for... I not think he deserved to be benched necessarily, uh, but I wasn't watching all that closely. They moved to Bailey Hawkman, who uh, was the former Florida State quarterback who uh, transferred in from junior college. And uh, he started, I think, the last three games, and, and uh, things have not gone particularly well. And so they're moving to a redshirt freshman Devin Leary, uh, who's going to make his first career start. He came in uh, last week in, in a relief role and threw for uh, almost 300 yards. So um, you know maybe maybe they finally found their guy, uh, but they have been really hit hard by injuries this year at other positions they've got over a dozen players are listed in the injury report of our team profiles um and seven of those guys are out for the year they've been hit particularly hard in the secondary and on the offensive line um so nc state you know quarterback troubles notwithstanding they just haven't haven't been a hundred percent almost all year so um if jamie newman is is good to go then our numbers expect uh wake forest to to potentially cover um because at this point he's not you know he's he's questionable so he's probably going to play but we don't know you know if he'll be able to make it the entire game so we we did uh you know slash that that uh, quarterback spot. So at this point, our our projection is Wake Forest to win, uh, but for NC State to to keep it close, we've got it 35 to 30. So pretty high scoring game. Uh, both teams are banged up on defense. Wake Forest has lost um, two starting linebackers this year for the for the season, including arguably their best uh, defensive player, uh, linebacker uh, Sternod. So. Um, you know pretty banged up on defense Wake Forest has been clicking on on offense uh Chirap might be the best receiver if not in the ACC he's he's potentially on his way to an All-American season he's he's been incredible so uh Wake Forest it seems is is poised to go 7 and 1 uh but uh you know NC State they're they're talented but they've been really banged up so think that they uh, will keep it close but pick Wake Forest to to keep it going, and, and improve to 7-1. and one. What
0: do you think about this game, Xavier? Are you on the Wake Forest side, winning by more than 7.5? Because while we like Wake Forest to win this game for CFB winning edge, we've got NC State covering.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I like Wake Forest uh, by more than 7.5. I just, Nick, you know, Nick alluded to it, with, with a team as injured as NC State, you know, going on the road and playing what is a ranked team right now, and Wake Forest looks like the only team to compete with Clemson at this point in the conference and unfortunately for us they're on the same side of the division um, as Clemson so we won't see them in the ACC championship game Um, but Wake Forest continues to roll and I think even with Hartman at quarterback um, they're gonna I think they're gonna roll in this game as well Um, I know you know Jamie Newman has been the guy for them this year you know through the air and on the ground I mean he's been very impressive so far Uh, but you know for me, when when you look at a Wake Forest team like this, who isn't going to be looking forward to any other game next week, they only have uh, Virginia Tech, um, and they understand that they have to continue to win games uh, just to to keep pace with the Clemson team that sits only one spot above them and one win above them in the in the conference. I mean, you know, I think they'll continue to do it. Um, they're at home, which helps Hartman a lot. Um, You know, he came off of a a gutsy performance last week against Florida State. And, you know, as bad as Florida State has been this year, they are still a talented ball club. And I think that, you know, a a win against them is always a good win. Um, Not last week, excuse me, two weeks ago. But um, I think they continue to win. I think they win by 13 or 14 points in this week. I think they'll double what what we have it as um, at seven and a half. I think they'll double it. Um, And, yeah, I think they continue to roll and continue to be the only saving face for the ACC outside of Clemson.
0: Now, in a much more interesting game, in my opinion, <laughs> anyway, uh, we get some Pac-12 action here. Utah on the road at Washington. Uh, yes. Three-and-a-half point favorites, Utah on the road. Uh, 47 and a half is the over. This looks like a WTF game
1: here, Nick. <laughs> it is, yeah. So I was, I was surprised. Uh, I know that our numbers uh, have not... You know, our numbers haven't softened really on Washington despite the three losses. We still have them uh, as the 12th strongest team in the country, which is four spots behind utah but uh you know this game is in seattle and that of course accounts for something and and so uh the way everything shook out we've got some you know pretty evenly matched units for the most part washington has talent at the quarterback position they've got talent uh at running back and on uh the offensive line obviously utah is is one of the best defensive lines in the country and and there's a big edge there for the utes but uh overall These teams are are pretty evenly matched, and Washington, despite the three losses, is is still ranked in the top 30 in team performance, so uh, they are outgaining their opponents by more than a yard uh, per play that that's uh, you know up there as well um, in the the top 30 in the country so uh, Washington is not a bad team they are an unranked team and and they are the underdog here but our numbers Mm -hmm. like the Huskies uh, just barely we we expect this to be a a very close game obviously uh, but Washington um, assuming that uh, they're able to move the football at all on on Utah, which you know Cal wasn't wasn't able to do that uh, in, in any stretch. And and obviously Cal did beat Washington earlier in the year. We haven't forgotten about that. But um, Washington has the talent to compete. Um, they they do. Uh, you know, uh, I, I I'm not sure I trust it to be to be perfectly honest, because I do love. Uh, The Utah defense have been very, very impressed and think that Zach Moss has has really been carrying this offense. So uh, I'm a little bit skeptical, but the numbers do have... The Huskies winning 28-27. That probably seems a little too high-scoring. Uh, that's that's a considerably over what the current uh, point total is at, at 47.5. So uh, I, I think it probably might be somewhere in the 21-20 range. Wouldn't shock me uh, at all if Utah wins this game um, or, you know, even even does it in, in dominant fashion. I think the Utes have really been playing great since the loss to USC. But... Um, at this point, our numbers expect Washington to, to sneak and uh, pull an upset uh, by a point.
0: Xavier, how do you see this game playing? I, I, It's hard for me to pick Washington in this game just because I know that Utah can be a dominant team. And we saw that go into effect against Cal last week. Now, Cal has an extremely poor offense, uh, mm-hmm. but they did shut them out. Uh, but it's a road game, too. So, I mean, how do you see this one going? You
2: know... I don't, you know, before Nick started talking, I was so Washington. I was like, Washington's going to win this game. They're going to, and I I had them winning it by a touchdown. Um, But after, you know, you know, he so eloquently talked about the Utes, I think I'm going to go with Utah. Um, I think this team, I think Tyler Huntley is as close as he's going to be to 100% for the rest of the year uh, coming into this game. Um, I think he, you know, he has no excuses. He's going to be somewhat hobbled, but you know, he played brilliantly last week. I think they're going to rely on Zach Moss. And the biggest reason why I think I'm going to pick Utah for this game, or why I'm picking Utah, is because I don't think Washington has this team in particular knows how to close. Um, they were up by 14 on Oregon. Uh, they couldn't close the deal um, <clears throat> this year against uh, Cal as well. Um, and, and they just haven't been able to win and make plays when it's mattered most. Um, and I think that um that's a little bit to do with inexperience around the offense you know this is jacob eason's first year he has a lot of young guys on the outside who haven't played much um or have played very sparingly in past years um and i think that what we'll see is we'll see that utah's you know they the the team is led by you know huntley and moss two guys who have are battle-tested. We'll remember them losing at home to Washington last year uh, where they probably felt like they should have played better, especially Huntley who didn't, who only threw for an interception in last year's game. They're going to be wanting to get revenge, and the best way to do it is to do it on the road and to really put the knife in Washington's hopes of doing anything for the rest of the year. Uh, I will say this. The only crazy part is, is if Washington does beat Utah, USC then becomes, uh, and if USC wins on the weekend, and we'll get to that in just a second, but if USC wins, they become the uh, first team in the South, and Utah, which will probably be ranked higher than them, will be second in the South going forward. So,
0: All right, moving on to the next game that we've got here. This one's going to be a lot of fun. SMU at Memphis, and this one is, you know, Memphis is 7-1, and USM 8-0, o. Uh, 4-0 at home for Memphis, 4-0 on the road for Southern Methodist, 5.5-point uh, favorite for Memphis in this game. 72 is the over. Nick, I think for me, I'm probably going to take the points in this one and take SMU, but I'm also uh, I'm going to take the under in this game. I think this is going to feel a little bit more slug outy than this
1: over suggests. Yeah, it, it's... Uh... Memphis, um, particularly, and and we've we've thought the last couple of years, you know, they put up uh, some just huge point totals and yardage totals, and uh, played a lot of high scoring games, and back to back AAC west titles and and so we've we've got this idea that they are uh an explosive offense and and deservedly so because they have been but that they've also been weak defensively but memphis really has taken a step forward on defense and and so that is going to play a big part in this game and we do have it as a, a pretty high score we actually have the the our point total uh, the same as uh, the odds makers or, or the current market at 72. So I do see a high scoring game, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if if this game is somewhere in the you know in the in the 31 uh, 30 range or or maybe even uh, on the the shorter scale because I do think that that the Memphis defense is going to give SMU more problems than perhaps you know any opponent has this year, and and uh, part of the reason is. SMU's uh, arguably best receiver or probably second best receiver Reggie Roberson uh, had a pretty ugly looking ankle injury early in the week uh, or excuse me early in the game last week so uh, I'm not sure that that Roberson is going to be able to play in this game It, it the the last word I heard was that Sonny Dyke said that he is not definitely out so seems to be a chance but uh, i would be surprised if if he is able to play that he's going to be able to to be anywhere close to 100 percent just based on what i saw uh, you know from from a thousand miles away or whatever watching on television so uh that that concerns me a little bit if if you're an smu fan and and you know they obviously the mustangs have been great i mean eight no anybody uh to to go 8 no and they've got some pretty big wins i mean they've, they've uh, TCU. Uh, they survived against Temple. They, they, you know, a team that has beaten multiple ranked teams, by the way. So um, they, they've been impressive and and uh, been a big SMU supporter this year because our numbers were very high, uh, a little, you know, dangerously high, I thought, on them in the preseason. But so far, you know, the, the transfers uh, and those high roster strength uh, numbers have, have panned out. So uh, this is a, a a showcase game for these two teams and memphis despite the loss to temple um was able to get back in the top 25 and and so if you're going to schedule uh, a game like this it, it's nice for it to be on one of those uh heavy bye weeks so obviously college game day is going to be in town it's a primetime spot on abc so i hope it does uh you know live up to the the potential one thing i wanted to um uh, mention is uh, you said it. Memphis is now about a five and a half point uh, favorite. And and um, earlier in the week, when Xavier and I were talking a little bit about uh, what games we're going to discuss today, he he showed me a list that he had built. He thinks this is going to be <laughs> upset Saturday, and and he was saying, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this team's going to lose. This team's going to lose. This team, you know, this is going to be an upset. And he and he said SMU's is going to get upset. And so it, it you know. Just brought a, a question. Uh, you know, which team here is is actually the underdog? Because Memphis is uh, favored and and pretty heavy favorite. Mean, five and a half is you know close to a. I don't know exactly what it equates to. But that's close to about a sixty percent win probability. So um, that that's a that's a pretty big edge. Think that Memphis is going to win, but SMU is the higher ranked team. And so sometimes you know when we see a higher ranked team beat a uh, beat a uh or excuse me a team, you know, fifteenth ranked mem- uh, SMU if they lose to twenty fourth ranked Memphis, you know, our eyes think upset, but is it really since since the right, the odds right. makers have Memphis here? So anyway, just just something to that, that stuck out to me when he showed me that list. Hopefully he'll he'll tell us all the upsets he sees coming because it was a pretty long, pretty long list. But uh so, yeah.
0: <laughs> so Xavier uh, SMU they're winning this game
2: um well, I, I I created the list thinking that SMU was going to lose this ball game. Um, I think that Memphis, at least recently, has been the better team to me. Um, on top of the fact that uh, Robertson will be hurt, you know, the extent of the injury is still a mystery. Um, and this was an article written 35 minutes ago, or update, uh, published 35 minutes ago. So um, obviously the the public doesn't know whether or not Robertson's going to be ready to go. And if he's not, that that offense has shown its ability to struggle. Uh, but the reason why I think that Memphis is gonna win this game is one they're at home and two, I, I really watched SMU's game closely last week as they played Houston and they gave up a lot of just unfathomable big plays. I mean, they gave up, I think a 96 yard touchdown at one point. Uh, and, and, and Memphis lives off of these kind of plays. Uh, they live off True. of you know, you know deep you know uh, plays that you know put your secondary in, in a tough spot. And I just think Memphis has the edge over this team. I um, mean, Memphis in their last game had looked ridiculously dominant. Um, not last week, I'm sorry, but two weeks against Tul- Tulane Lane and a Tulane team who hasn't looked terrible this year. Uh they they survived against a Tulsa team that's always tough on the road. Um and I think that they're gonna come into this game. You know, game day is gonna be there. They, these kids are gonna be amped up, and I think that Memphis gets the job done. Um I can go through the whole list if you want me to. Uh but yeah, <laughs> I think I think Memphis gets this job done on, on Saturday. Let's
1: let's save until yeah, the end.
2: Yeah, and- that Go
1: ahead. And and our numbers do have Memphis winning, but but we do have SMU uh, covering, so they line up with with your thoughts there, Scott. So we see it as a, a Memphis thirty-eight, SMU thirty-four. am um, particularly interested to see uh, one. I, I haven't watched uh, Kenneth Gainwell at, at length. I, I did catch a little bit uh, put on earlier today, a little bit of the the Memphis. Uh, Temple game and and the announcers were just gushing about Gainwell and and um, you know and and were talking about how much uh, Mike Norvell the head coach was was just incredibly incredibly high on Gainwell uh, called him uh the best athlete that he's coached and he's coached it you know at at some pretty uh high profile spots so that was uh pretty pretty lofty praise there are some rumblings that we might see uh patrick taylor who was supposed to be the you know the top ball carrier and and perhaps the best running back in the conference and, and maybe at the g5 level first time since uh he was injured at the end of the uh season opener so um think that that's a possibility i really am interested to see what they do with both of those guys on the field at the same time because we haven't seen it in you know two months so um Really, really excited to see Gainwell won, and and also hope to see uh, Taylor as well for the first time in a long time. But uh, we do have Memphis uh, winning, and and you know would have the the favorite uh, picking up the big win uh, against the higher ranked team at home, and, and it should be a great environment, and and happy that it's a showcase game for uh, these two smaller conference opponents. In more
0: Pac-12 games, and I love the Pac-12 after darkness of this week. Oregon is at USC. Oregon comes in as four and a half point favorites. This line did move from seven to four and a half and the over moved up a half point from 61 and a half to 62. Nick, how do you see this Pac-12 matchup playing out?
1: You know, this one's interesting. Uh, People talk about, I mean, it's, it's, you know, all the games are interesting, but this, the, the line movement that you brought up to me is is quite interesting because uh yeah it's moved two and a half points that's that's pretty big i mean memphis was only a three-point favorite when it opened jumped up to five and a half so pretty big line movement there but uh but this one i'm surprised that it went in this direction and uh usc has been tough at home and, and they have been uh obviously you know the move to the air raid has done good things uh for the trojans they they are able to to throw the football uh, really well, and, and Oregon has been somewhat susceptible uh, to the passing attack. I mean, Washington State had a lot of success moving the football against what had been, uh, you know, uh, by far the best Defense in the Pac-12, um, and and you know certainly, uh, arguably one of the tops in the nation. Well, now that gap is closed considerably with the performance Utah put up, and then also Oregon uh, looked a bit shaky last week against Washington State. So, can USC, uh, you know, repeat that game plan? Are they going to be able to have success through the air? That's that's certainly something to watch. But then on the other hand, uh, Oregon. I was I was really impressed with the running game last week. CJ Verdell put up just, you know, what 250 plus yards. That offensive line looked uh, as good as we had expected it to look all year. So, um, couple that with, you know, Oregon's defense has been uh really solid they were a bit banged up and they I think they're going to be healthier this week than they were last everything that I'm hearing so I'm surprised that this number uh has come down our numbers actually have Oregon favored by uh double digits I mean you know we we project this to be a a 34-24 game and you know we've seen USC knock off a, a you know, highly talented Pac-12 opponents. So uh, it wouldn't be, you know, the biggest upset of all time, obviously, if, if they were to win this game. But the way our numbers shake out, we're, we're pretty high on Oregon. They've broken into our top ten as far as team strength, and and that's, uh, you know, pretty impressive. As, as we said before, Penn State's not in the t- top ten. So um, that means that Oregon is, is legitimately uh, a, a, you know, Pac-12 contender, obviously, and, and potentially even a playoff contender. So uh, I would I would be surprised if, if this is uh, a field goal game or a four-and-a-half-point type game. I think Oregon's going to win uh, double digits. I'm, I'm pretty confident in, in the way the model uh, projects this. 34-24 seems about right to me.
0: Xavier, how do you see this one going here between the Ducks and the Trojans?
2: I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to go ahead and pick USC to win this ballgame. Um, I think that obviously the big matchup comes in uh, the, the secondary for Oregon against the the wide receiving core for USC, which, I mean, continues to dominate throughout the Pac-12. They're the second ranked um, second best passing offense in the Pac-12 against the second best passing defense. So something's got to give. And I think that USC um, is going to um, have their way in that secondary. I mean, I think. One of the biggest keys for the game for me has to be the fact that USC is at home. I think if USC was on the road, Nick, you'd be absolutely right. I'd actually have Oregon winning by maybe 17 if they were at home. Uh, but Oregon has had some, some, some games where they worried me a little bit. Against Washington, they started off very slow. Um, last week, they didn't play rather well. So they haven't had back-to-back good – they haven't had good weeks in a while. Um, Their last really good dominant performance was against Colorado, and that was on the 11th of October. Um, and for me, they're coming into this game a little bit sluggish off of the back of, you could say, two escapes, really. Um, you know, they had to put up 21 points in the fourth quarter to beat Washington. Um, and then they obviously had to hit a last-second field goal last week to beat Washington State. I think I, just like USC coming off the back of uh, beating Arizona, then beating Colorado in the altitude and um, back-to-back weeks, um, and this week, you know, I think that they have the leg up. I think um, secondaries can be great, but when you have that many giants at receiver, it doesn't really matter who's back there. Um, and I think that USC pulls out a close victory. I think it'll be 30-27, to 27, right around there, maybe 33-30. Um, I think it will be a field goal game. I think USC pulls off the upset. Um, and, yeah, all hell breaks loose in the Pac-12. <laughs> ah...
0: Uh, I, I, I have a, I struggle with this one. I think I'm going to go with Oregon. They've just looked dominant, and we've seen USC look wishy-washy. Now, the one good thing is, uh, I think you said it, Xavier, maybe I'm mistaken, but undefeated at home. So 4-0 mm-hmm. at home, mm-hmm. which is nice. Oregon's only 2-1 on the road. I just think Oregon's too good to beat a team that has been up and down like USC has. I think they're just, they're just young. You know, I think in a couple years we're going to be see that, seeing them as – You know, the Pac-12 title contenders again, uh, like they have been in the past. I just don't think we're there yet. Uh, The last game of the week is the one that you guys are looking forward to the most, I would assume. It's Georgia-Florida week. uh, The Bulldogs on the road at the Gators. The Bulldogs are six-and-a-half-point favorites. 44-and-a-half is the over in this one, Nick. Um I, I don't know where to go with this game. Both these teams a little bit underperforming, obviously Florida back to down to their, you know, backup quarterback and stuff. How do you see this going?
1: Well, so uh, this game obviously is, is always uh, an intriguing one. It's always, you know, uh, on the short list for biggest games of the week. We've got a top 10 matchup uh, this week. And, and, you know, had we been uh, looking ahead say, two weeks ago, uh, probably would have had, uh, you know, the narrative would have been different. Um, Georgia was considered a, a, you know, surefire SEC favorite. Um, a playoff contender, you know, is the SEC going to get three teams in this year? You know that that was the talk two or three weeks ago. Obviously, Georgia uh, messed around and and got upset at home by South Carolina. It happens, and and then the following week, uh, offensively, the numbers were not good against Kentucky, and and of course that wasn't a driving uh, rainstorm, and and so that factors in. But then you know, second straight week we've we've seen some uh just, just inefficiency on offense. Uh there there are starting you know, questions are, are coming about, play calling questions and, you know, is Jake Fromm really uh you know, obviously the 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 uh seeing Justin Fields how well he's performed at Ohio State and how explosive Ohio State looks there's, that's certainly a talking point you know is Georgia did they uh you know make a mistake by letting fields go and and giving from the the job and and you know all, all that that talking and, and, and it's interesting because uh I, I do try to look at it from a neutral perspective and it, it seemed like almost a, a a complete 180 that now all of a sudden Georgia's bad you know Georgia Georgia's just not they're not who we thought they were. They, we've we've been totally uh, we, we were bamboozled to think that this is a national championship team and I, and I just I don't quite understand it because uh, I've mentioned a few times our team performance ratings, our, our game grades for each week, uh, average all those up and, and you know that's sort of how I would say this team is playing like a top 25 team or a top 10 team. Well Georgia ranks number 7 and to me that's still a playoff contender I mean they they've averaged over a 90 uh game grade for for each week and and that's a couple of spots ahead of Florida who ranks ninth and and again a couple of weeks ago people were very down on Florida it seemed and and you know can Kyle Trask uh move the football they can, they can't run the football you know defensively they gave up so much against lSU and and uh you know on and on and and the narrative has sort of shifted. To them, and, and even though Georgia is favored in this game by six, uh, maybe I'm paying attention to the wrong people, I don't know, but everything I see is is uh, so much higher on Florida, and, and I don't quite understand it because uh, Florida is only outgaining their opponents by uh, a little over one yard per game, and and that's 29th in the country. Well, Georgia is outgaining its opponents. Uh, by a net of 2.65, which is seventh best in the country. So again, playing like a top ten team, whereas you know Florida probably maybe is not. And then you look at the uh, just the overall roster strength. Florida's very talented. They've recruited at a top ten type. Um, you know, level for, for years and years. They actually, as far as their average 247 sports rating, ranked 10th in the country. Well, Georgia ranks third. That's elite. You know, they're competing with Ohio State and, and Alabama on that level. But then when we look at roster strength, which of course we've talked about before, we take those recruiting ratings, adjust it for experience and career production. Well Georgia still ranks third, but Florida only ranks 15th. And, you know, a little bit of that is injury. They've been missing Kendarius Toney, uh, arguably their best offensive weapon, who's expected to be back this week. Their two pa- best pass rushers, Jeffrey Zuniga and, and Jonathan Grunerner, uh, have been in and out of the lineup. So they get dinged a little bit for that, but but not very much. We still do have both of those players in the two deep. So they are accounted for, just not as starters right now. But uh, that's a, a pretty significant gap. You know, Georgia's is... Uh, got a roster right there with Alabama and Ohio State and Florida is more in the range of a Florida state. you know actually Florida State ranks two spots higher in roster strength than Florida. So I, I just I know Georgia is is favored, but for whatever reason I'm, I'm hearing so much more uh, about people really questioning Georgia. So I expect uh, that Georgia will, uh, come out and and, and uh, you know have have a game where they sort of raise uh, raise their play, rise uh, to to maybe what we saw in the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, I don't have a huge edge in this game. The spread six and a half, and, and we've only got Georgia favored by seven, so I think that's fair. But but I do expect uh, for Georgia to come out and and have. You know, perhaps the the best game we've seen from them in a while, particularly on offense. Uh, I would expect um, for Georgia to win this game. Uh, a neutral site there in Jacksonville. It's always a little bit tricky because it does seem like uh, in many ways, at least as far as travel goes, that it's uh, a Florida home game every year. But, um, you know, the the stadium is split down the middle like so many of the neutral uh, rival teams games and and uh so it's it's a pretty even playing field uh once you get inside the stadium but um i expect georgia i think they're rightly favored i expect them to win we've got the score 27 to 20 i think that's fair wouldn't be surprised if it's maybe a little bit more maybe a 10 point win but i think georgia should win my my uh (laughs) slightly uh unbiased opinion uh but I uh, do think the old alma mater uh, is rightly favored in this one.
0: Let's go to Xavier, who clearly always calls it down the line. Uh, <laughs> ne- never heart in it. It's always it's just facts with him. How do you see uh, your Bulldogs against the Gators?
2: I really like this game. Um, in previous years, it's actually been one of the games I didn't watch, um, it's been rather snooze festy the last couple of years because we've been kind of waiting for Florida to get its team back together. Uh, but this one feels like it used to uh, Tebow versus, you know, uh, geez, name escapes me at the moment, but yeah, um, th- those, those type of atmosphere when you've got two top 10 teams coming to this ball game. I think when you look at it, you have to think Florida right now is the hotter of the two teams. Uh, you know, they've been, you know, they clicked on all cylinders, to an extent, um, last week against South Carolina, you know, the game was rather close to start off, but, you know, they ended up pulling away. Uh, three weeks ago, they picked up a huge win against Auburn where, you know, it was a sloppy game, but they were able to uh, walk away with a win. And even in the LSU loss, they were, you know, neck and neck with them until the fourth quarter. So you've got to think that they're coming in with a lot of confidence. I will say that um, Florida, for whatever reason, can't keep its players mouth shut because uh, <laughs> once again, they've decided to make comments about DeAndre Swift. Uh, this is the second time this has happened. The last time was uh, Chauncey Gardner. Chauncey uh, Gardner, he made him two years ago. He ended up getting, uh, he left with a mild concussion after DeAndre Swift ran him over. And now they're yapping again. I, I, I don't know whether it's, you know, Dan Mullen can't keep them quiet or it's just the Florida kids in general. I don't know. But they keep giving Georgia Bulletin board material. And, and you're talking to a team right now who's offensively has not been able to find its way for about three-ish weeks now, uh, uh, you know, even the, the in the Tennessee game that they won, the offense was sluggish to start off, and it was, I think, 17-14 going into half. Tennessee. Um, you're talking, you know, and um, – but, you know, a time to get amped up, it's this one right here for Florida. I think that Georgia wins this ballgame. I think that Georgia has a – Georgia's defense is healthier. I think that that has to account for something. I also think that their defense has been rather – good all season Uh, they haven't given up 20 points to an opponent since the South Carolina game and that was 20 points um, total Uh, the defense has been one of the best in the country this year Um, and as Nick alluded to earlier you know this Florida team in my opinion hasn't played a a good defense since Auburn or has not has yet to play a complete team offensively and defensively all year Uh, although LSU's offense was great in that game their defense was like Swiss cheese um, and I think that Georgia is going to try to control this game on the ground, you know, play the possession game if they're not being able to, uh, you know, score touchdowns and and, keep, and stay in front of the sticks, which is going to be tough for a Florida team that for the most part this year, when they've been able to be successful, it's been airing the ball out, you know, throwing the ball deep, making huge chunk plays. And they haven't been able to really grind out drives this year. They've had to do it through the air and through, you know, 40, 50 yard catches, even though even last week against South Carolina, they did the same formula. I don't think that's going to work for them this week. I think Trask um, is going to really show me a lot um, as far as from the quarterback standpoint and being able to take a team down the field 75 yards as opposed to hitting, you know, a 40-yard pass here and a 50-yard pass there um, and show me that he can play a consistent game. Um, And I think Georgia walks away with the win. I don't think it's going to be handedly like they did last year, but um, I'm seeing a score more of the range of 30, 20, uh, 30, you know, somewhere around there. I think a ten point victory is right around where I would see Georgia winning this ballgame and they get right back on track.
0: So I just don't know how to take Georgia or Florida, to be honest with yeah. you. I feel like this game is gonna be six to three. Like it's just a <laughs> low scoring, grinded out, all running back game with a lot of good defense and terrible quarterback play. So um, we'll see though. Give me, give me the rest of that upset list though. Xavier. What else do oh, we yeah. have?
2: Yeah. So this week's upset week, I have UAB beating Tennessee. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going out on the ledge. Um, I, had, I have uh, Washington, I had Washington beating Utah before Nick, um, Nick talked to you. me. Although yeah, the
0: numbers absolutely. are, the yeah, numbers yeah. that so, he talked so about <laughs> are for Washington. I talked to you. Well, but, but, I don't know if I told you.
2: But, that the numbers favorite Washington? Well, you, you did because you talked about how good Utah's defense has been. And, and although I hadn't really looked at the numbers, they have actually performed rather well defensively this year. And so That's selective hearing.
0: You know, he just Yeah, wanted, very much so. <laughs> you just yeah. wanted to take Utah. It's fine. <laughs>
2: um, I have KSU losing to Kansas. Um, uh, oh. Les Miles wins his first rivalry game. Um, and then my possible upsets, I had uh, Georgia Southern beating App State. And Michigan losing on the road to Maryland.
0: Michigan is wow. not losing to Maryland. All right, okay. Michigan is a three-touchdown favorite. They're twenty-one yeah, okay. point favorites.
2: Uh huh. Uh huh. And those khaki pants are going to have creases in by the end of that ball game, dude.
0: So. It, I'm telling. Look, <laughs> if Maryland beats Michigan, Jim Harbaugh doesn't get on the bus going home or the plane or whatever they take. So, and no more Pope trips or any of that stuff. It's about finding a new coach. They can't lose to Maryland. Come on. They're not going to beat Notre Dame and then lose to Maryland. So
2: crazy things have happened, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's, hey, let's look, and I, look, I respect you the know.
0: crap out of Maryland. They beat Texas two years in a row. I don't have many bad things to say <laughs> about Maryland, but they have been so wishy-washy last uh, the, this year. Um, mm-hmm. They got smoked by Syracuse, and then they're going to beat Michigan? I mean, no, it would be beat, the no, most no, 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 Maryland no,
1: no, no. They thing. They, they beat Syracuse. No, they beat, no, beat, they beat Syracuse. 63-20, but then they lost to Temple. Thank you, <laughs> Temple. <laughs> they hey. lost to...
2: Temple uh, is a good ball club. We're not going to do that. <laughs>
0: well, Temple Dude, is the Kmart version of Michigan. six-nine to nothing to Penn State or whatever it was. So I mean, look, I, I like. I tell you what, I really like the I really like the Kansas over Kansas State one because Kansas, whatever, whatever is clicking is clicking now for them. So mm-hmm. and Kansas State has the, you know, sometimes college kids get the attitude of, well, we just beat X. There's no way we're losing to Y. So uh, a little bit comes off and I think that's what we could get out of Kansas state uh, this week. So, um, and I've never really been a Skylar Thompson fan. I mean, I was last week, don't get me wrong. And I appreciate everything you did uh, for beating Oklahoma, but um, <laughs> I, I could see them dropping that game for sure. But
2: yeah, I don't see him having think, four touchdowns uh, on
0: the
1: ground this week. A, uh, a free, a free treat here for uh, anybody that's made it this long through our nonsense uh we actually have uh the numbers have kansas uh as a slight underdog but but expected to cover in that game um and we do have uab to cover so we're, we're siding on you as far as uh, against the spread goes there's xavier what were the others
0: uh michigan and um Maryland.
1: Um, Maryland. All right. So, better. so that line is twenty-one. Uh, we have Michigan expected to win by fifteen point two. So again, on the same side, but uh, but obviously think that Michigan will win by multiple touchdowns. Uh, do do again have Washington uh, expected to win outright? That's one of four where we think the uh, the wrong team is favored. And and again, if you've made it this far. There we go. The other the other three for this week, and this has been our 69% over the last five weeks. Listen to my top voice. Uh, <laughs> we've got Louisiana Monroe, believe it or not, uh, expected to win outright as a one and a half point favorite over Arkansas State. I think that's moved up actually to two and a half now, last I saw uh we've got central michigan basically a, a toss-up they were a one-point underdog last i saw uh we have them expected to beat northern illinois by a point and a half uh so that fits that category and then the the last game of the night if you're you know if you're if you're in need uh come midnight eastern uh we have fresno state expected to beat hawaii outright on the road by three they're a two-point underdog so those are our those are our locks of the week. <laughs> All and, right, well, well, not really, not really. But the, those, <laughs> those have been good. Those numbers so far. So uh, hopefully they work out for you if you're interested in that sort of thing.
0: And that is going to put a, a bow on it for us this week, Nick. Uh, before we get out of here, tell everybody about the Patreon.
1: Uh, If you are interested in supporting our podcast, if you would like to uh, see all the numbers we're talking about, the team performance ratings, those get released uh, by afternoon on Monday at at the very latest. You can see how all 130 teams rank on an average game grade uh, scale. If you want to see all of our team strength ratings or roster strength ratings, uh, if you're just interested in, you know, how your team looks uh, player for player, we've got depth charts, injury reports over eleven thousand individual player ratings coach ratings all sorts of stuff uh check us out patreon.com slash cfb winning edge
0: and you can find us all on twitter at bogman sports for me at cfb winning edge for nick and at xavier underscore trish t-r-i-c-h-e for xavier and uh, i hope you guys win all your bets and we will see you guys next week take it easy everybody